by this beeping alarm? Oh my god, it's worse than I thought. It's a top ten Thursdays, it's coming right for us. Somebody call the president! Hey, I'm Sean Lemmy. John Otney. Colin Westman. Matt Carstens. Are all here to join me on this uh, terrible disaster movies edition of top ten Thursdays. How you guys doing? Fine. Good. Uh, how, how, are, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. You know, we talked about Godzilla uh, 2014, and we are kind of down on it. But Is that what I... we're calling it now? <laughs> Official title. you got to differentiate it somehow, unless you just want to call it Fat Godzilla. <laughs> or Fatzilla. <laughs> I like it. But, you know, I reviewed it on the blog, and I thought about it for a while, and I'm like, eh, well, it's fine. It's that thing, um, you know, where I've got to, i got to make my peace with these big budget movies that, like, they're never going to be as good as they should be. <laughs> you always have such high expectations for them, but you know, when there's that much money involved, there's going to be a lot of compromises, Sean. Yeah. I mean, I get that. I think I had Godzilla as my number one most anticipated movie of the year. Just get excited when it's a beloved character or, or, you know. Mm -hmm. But I guess that was the inspiration to this week's list. Well, I guess the inspiration was we decided to, you know, once Godzilla was being talked about, we decided to go back to 1998 Godzilla, which is just... Well, I guess we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely get into that. But it was such an upsetting experience. Uh, I it thought was, it was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> such just a terrible experience that I guess Colin was like, well, let's do more of this. Let's do a lot more of this and then talk about it. Which brings us to our topic, which is just uh, like the bottom ten disaster movies of all time i guess or at least just of the ones we saw uh, i mean there's so many I, yeah i feel like it's a shame that there's ones that we haven't seen there's probably ones from this year that were that were top 10 worst of all time maybe like i don't know did anyone here see pompeii i want to i was thinking about it that movie, the trailers that made no sense is like you know, it's a volcano's gonna explode. Let's have sweet battles before the heavens. <laughs> yeah, like the whole time I'm watching that trailer, I'm like, so wait, everyone dies? And that's it? But there's gonna be sweet battles before. Oh, abs. oh, and, and abs. Don't forget all that. <laughs> it's like a lot of close ups. A lot of abs, man. <laughs> History lesson come to life. And <laughs> I remember. I to get sweet ripped abs. I suppose. 
I, and I could have swore when I saw Godzilla, you know, a couple weeks ago, there was a trailer for an upcoming disaster movie this summer that looked like a sci-fi channel, <laughs> like straight to, you know, straight to TV kind of movie about like a super hurricane. This ring yeah, I remember ring that. Bells it was just like shots of like hurricanes and like tidal waves and, and like planes getting ready to crash into each other. Yeah, it was, it was literally like, yeah, we know you don't care about any of the characters in this thing, so we're not going to show any of them. We're just going to show bad <laughs> CGI disaster effects. What was that called? Into the storm or something? <laughs> Something really, really generic. Into the wind. Into the wind. <laughs> <laughs> that really doesn't sound like much of a disaster. Everyone just gets blown away. <laughs> There's not actually any collateral damage. There's one guy who's like peeing into the wind. Just... <laughs> <laughs> this was a bad idea! It's in 3D, so there's all this pee going everywhere. It's all going right in the back of his face. <laughs> And then he gets swept up and dies. <laughs> what a horrible way to go out, just pee it all over yourself. Does he, like, swallow all this pee? And... Gross, Colin. Gross. <laughs> it's, like, really good for you. Yeah. Um, uh, before we get into this, uh, I know I put one dishonorable mention, but does anybody have any movies in particular they wish they'd seen uh, for this list? That you're pretty sure would be bad. Maybe you haven't. You're not 100%. I mean, for me, it's definitely probably something like Pearl Harbor, maybe. I've never seen that, but it doesn't have the best reputation. <laughs> I remember I, I just, I've seen only, like, the bombing part of it. In yeah. history? Yeah, that's in history class. That's, like, that's still, like, two hours. <laughs> that movie's, like, probably. four hours, right? Feels that way. Uh, have you seen it? I've seen Pearl Harbor. I've seen Pearl Harbor like six times. What are you talking have about? you seen every Michael Bay movie, Sean? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. No, I haven't seen Bad Boys 2. Uh, have you seen and, and, Bad Boys 1? Of course. <laughs> okay. Of course. <laughs> and what about like Deep Impact? How bad or good is that? See, I remember Deep Impact being okay, but... Uh, I remember Godzilla being okay, so... Yeah, well, I, and I just saw Armageddon, and they were saying... Well, actually, Armageddon's, like, pretty much as good as Deep Impact. And if that's true, Deep Impact is a deeply flawed film. Um, but from what I remember, it was, it was solid, you know? Morgan Freeman as president. That's cool. That makes it solid. <laughs> I feel I, like it would just be boring... It's if kind it's of, like if it's like seriously done. Well, but that's kind of what you want, isn't it? Because mm. it's such a insane situation. Don't you want to at least have one movie where it's kind of like, what would it be like to be in this? Someone driving a race car. <laughs> Get the hell out of here! Disaster. <laughs> I don't know. I'd kind of I I like it if they're a little more ridiculous, but uh, let's let's get into it. Yeah. So I guess the the prerequisite here was that it, we were trying to focus on like 
the disaster and not a, some sort of post-apocalyptic thing. Yeah. Um, and also we gravitated towards um, bigger, you know, like AAA pictures. Because there's so many small, indie, terrible disaster movies. I think that's about it. Um, so I guess let's get started. Uh, first up is... All the rest in evil movies, which I guess it goes against those prerequisites. I was just—I I mean, I didn't know about these prerequisites. <laughs> they were not discussed I was, before. I was just trying to pad out this list. I mean, I haven't even seen all these movies. Um, I've seen the first two. The second one is definitely, you know, it's it's pretty much the end of the world by the end of the movie, and it's just a bunch of zombies um, fighting. Uh, <sighs> Mila Jovich, whoever her character was, Alice, and she's got sweet Matrix powers. Um, but what I find interesting about these movies is how I feel like every movie ends. They're just like all this nonstop chaos, and then the world's basically like blown up, or just everyone's dead by the end of the movie, yet they still keep making them. There's been like five of them. It's like there's, there'll be an installment where it's a desert, and there's literally nothing left, and somehow they like make a sequel like every time Paul W.S. Anderson manages to find more parts of the world to blow up. Yeah, that was like, was it the third one or the fourth one where the trailer was like uh, Las Vegas that was turned the third into one. sand dunes? Yeah, and there's still like two more after that. <laughs> That's pretty Like, cool. how much more do you have to destroy the world? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can only remember up to the second one. Um, and I remember a lot of ridiculous karate, a lot of stupid monsters and explosions and everything. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not that prepared to talk about it, but it's definitely like the I feel like the epitome of just senseless violence and destruction, and it keeps going. I feel like there's always another one coming out. Uh, is there one in the pipeline right now? I th- I feel like there is. I feel like Paul W. S. Anderson. He's he's got something on the back burner. <laughs> is this just like his passion? <laughs> Resident Evil, or just yeah. Uh, I, don't, I mean, he did Pompeii, so. I mean, he's got to, like, stay fresh. Yeah, but it's, no, it says Resident Evil 6 is, uh, is, is in the, is in the pipeline. It, it just, it makes me so depressed, because there was a time where I was a really big Resident Evil fan. These are really, I mean, not only the bad disaster movies, if you want to call them disaster movies, but they're just really bad adaptations. You know, they very rarely, I mean, they, they include characters, from the games, but very sporadically, and just use them in ways they were never used in the games. I mean, there is a template for a story, but for some reason, right off the bat, we're like, "Well, the Matrix is popular, so let's make sure to include lots of weird futuristic karate." And they're still doing like that, like that. I mean, the Matrix isn't relevant anymore. There's no reason to have your guys flying around in slow motion and dodging bullets. Like that trend has passed. These movies are super dated, and they look terrible. Bad CG. I mean, we're talking about we're going to be talking about bad CG a lot. I'm sure. <laughs> so the apocalypse here, yeah, in these movies is zombie apocalypse. I mean, it's also it's not just zombies. It's this corporation that, for some reason, is like taking over the world, but they're like destroying it by. It, it makes no sense. <laughs> or are almost like they're trying to take over the world, but by. Like, trying to stop them from taking the world, it just results in everything being blown up. So is that what Alice's motivation is? She's trying to take down Umbrella? 
basically, because they ruined her life and turned her into a super karate master. <laughs> yeah, I'd be pretty pissed if someone did that to me. Destroyed all normalcy she had. Unless they've changed it now. I don't know. Maybe she's probably a clone by now. <laughs> when you've made this many movies of this style, someone's bound to be a clone at this point. Oh, yeah. You said everyone dies at the end <laughs> of all of them. Oh, yeah. There's probably, probably. Some, some cloning going on. There's definitely one where I remember seeing, like, in the trailers, like, three of her. <laughs> and they're all, like, just fighting. And then, like, flying around, kicking. Didn't look so good. Uh, but considering I haven't seen most of these, uh, and I'm probably not that qualified to talk about it, I think we can move on to something that I feel like you guys probably will <laughs> be qualified to talk about. And that's Armageddon. Armageddon. Was the tagline Armageddon out of here? Uh, yeah. Let me see. Should, I'm looking should, at I'm no. sure it wasn't. <laughs> I'm looking, serious. I'm looking at the poster. The tagline was heads up. <laughs> like if I duck, I'm not going to get killed by like an asteroid or meteor. I feel or... like it's just like, look, look up. There's an asteroid coming at you, <laughs> I guess. All right. So refresh me on the plot here. It's Armageddon. If anyone can. You want to take this shot or should I? Uh, okay. So... Um, there's a asteroid. God, I don't know the difference between a comet, a meteor, and an asteroid. A big rock coming towards there's a, the There's a rock the size of Texas. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. On a collision course with Earth. We know this because other rocks from space <laughs> have come and hit the Earth. And uh, Lucius Malfoy figures it all out. And he tells Billy Bob Thornton to do something about it. Um, so what they decide to do is laugh at the guys who come up with an interesting solution for having bad presentation <laughs> skills. Is that then, basically like the Mariners like front office? It, it is totally. They totally forensicked it. Uh, but then they throw all their money at uh, this one guy's plan who was like, check it out. We get like so many nukes. And uh, no, it's just like a nuke. Just like a regular nuke. So why uh, did you say that? Because <laughs> uh, I was doing some research on like could you blow up uh, an asteroid this large? And they would ha- they said like it would be a nuke like a million times more powerful than the most powerful nuke on the planet to blow up this asteroid. <laughs> but anyway, they, they're like, well, we're just going to take one nuke and we're going to go fly up to the asteroid and drill into it and blow it up from the inside so it splits evenly into two parts which fly around the planet, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that, uh, they steal Bruce Willis's patent on some weird drill technology and build a mechanical version of that. But apparently it's too hard to train astronauts how to use the drilling equipment. So instead they hire Bruce Willis to run the drill and drills like 
and Bruce Willis is like, fuck teaching these guys, I'm going to bring in my own crew. So they teach a bunch of professional drillers how to be astronauts so they can fly up and blow up this asteroid. I should mention the whole time frame of this movie is 18 days. 18 days <laughs> from the first impact to um, the end of the mission, which is um, like minutes before the asteroid hits the the point of no return. Right? We're smashing to the earth. Um, it's ha- really hard to tell how much time passes, though. It's really hard to tell. When they first meet Bruce Willis, he's like getting pissed at Ben Affleck for sleeping with his daughter. And so he's like, you're fired, get off this rig. And then, like, some amount of time later, he goes and finds Ben Affleck. And Ben Affleck's already, like, got a job. And, like, everybody else on the rig is somewhere else doing stuff. So they got to track them down. Which I don't know how long yeah. <laughs> all of this took. Ben Affleck, they were, okay, they were working on a, like, oil refinery out in the middle of the ocean. Mm-hmm. So Ben Affleck had time to pack up all his shit move back to the mainland find a job move Go out, out for there. an interview I mean surely he has the skills that it wasn't a lengthy job search because mm-hmm. uh, he's clearly the number two driller on the planet um but are, I mean he did ranked? <laughs> I just assume that we would send the I think, best I think there's a drillers prospecticus it's all ranked, yes. Um, so our, you know, the United States plan is um, we're going to send two space shuttles with two drills and two nukes. Because, um, you know, one of them might fail. But we're going to send both of them at the same time and have them go together on the same route. So they're practically crashing into each other the whole time. <laughs> it's the best but they it, had. It's because... According to Billy Bob Thornton, Draco Malfoy's dad is pretty much the smartest guy on the planet. Pretty much. Pretty much. So we're sort of just supposed to believe. So anyway, we've got the we've got this fun crew. It's um, you know we see Owen Wilson. He's like riding horses. Uh, my Clark Duncan. What's he doing? He's driving a motorcycle. He's driving a motorcycle. Riding away from the the cops. Steve Buscemi's just like a sleazy guy. <laughs> He's got like mob connections. Yeah, and his like recurring character thing is uh, he like slept with underage women. Mm-hmm. And, and the, I guess Michael Bay thinks that's funny. <laughs> that he's a pedophile. You know, he can relate. <laughs> Probably. And uh, yeah. And there's Ben Affleck, the young hotshot. Yeah. Totally in love with uh, Liv Tyler, who's Bruce Willis's daughter. Why doesn't Bruce Willis like that Ben Affleck's with his daughter? Is Bruce Willis. Uh, Has Bruce Willis ever played a role where he's actually been okay with someone dating his daughter? I don't think so. No. <laughs> I just wonder if there's a stated reason. I, I think the stated reason is because uh, Ben Affleck is a fellow driller. And uh, so drink driller's code <laughs> goes against the code. No, it's Thou not shall that. Not drill like... another's daughter. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so William Finkner is one of the astronauts, and uh, he totally hates Bruce Willis, just because. Sure. Just because just of astronaut superiority. Is he like a regular astronaut? He's like the pilot astronaut. Are we going to go through okay. the entire plot of everyone's movie? <laughs> no, no, I think we, we set up the plot. We pretty much explained the plot, which, I don't know, the, the part we've explained, I was kind of all right with. Like, I was okay just because the cast is pretty good. I mean, <laughs> they seem like they're they're trying to have fun. They're trying to <laughs> imbue this poorly made film with a sense of camaraderie, even though it sounds like Michael Bay was, like, having a breakdown <laughs> behind the scenes. But then it got to that part where they're on the asteroid, and it's just, like, so... I don't know, just so loud and dumb, and it just goes on forever. Like, they're on that asteroid for, like, an hour, and I would have been okay with them being on the asteroid for about five minutes. But, uh, yeah. Well, he had to make up. The movie opens with, like, 16 different explosions. I know. <laughs> there was way too much time, like, dedicated to these characters just, like, hanging out and being goofy so he had to make up for it with loud dumb special effects at the end and he does it <laughs> much more than I was willing to take I think the thing that stands out about this movie is that it's uh, just the horribly edited uh, you'll see scenes that don't seem to serve any narrative purpose that that have that aren't funny that aren't cool they're just there um character development is really scattershot for example there's a scene like billy bob thornton's basically last scene where he's with the rest of the main cast opens with a shot of like some brace on his foot that we've never seen before and he's like an hour and a half into the movie yeah he's like you know i would have been an astronaut it wasn't for this and we're like where the fuck was this you weren't even limping the whole rest of the movie <laughs> it, it just you know it served its purpose in that particular scene so they put it at the beginning of that scene he's just always cutting from everything the camera's always moving he won't give you a break yeah i was looking at the uh, trivia page on imdb the time the average time between cuts in this movie is 1.5 seconds this is a movie that's 16 hours long <laughs> <laughs> add that up it's a lot of cuts there's definitely some fun stuff in this imdb trivia page well i, I don't even know if this is true though like, it says, regarding the film's premise, Ben Affleck asked director Michael Bay, wouldn't it be easier for NASA to train astronauts how to drill rather than training drillers to be astronauts? Bay told Affleck to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> also, another thing is, I, I don't know if this is real either, but... It says that NASA shows this film during their management training program, and new managers are given the task of trying to spot as any as many errors in the film as possible. 
supposedly at least 168 have been found. <laughs> yeah, like maybe you shouldn't shouldn't launch launch same goddamn time when they're like 15 feet away from each other. <laughs> <laughs> they're just gonna go exactly straight up, right? This movie is really bumming me out. And that was after I was already so bummed out by the other disaster movies we saw. How can you get bummed out? Like, you was, know, it's like, what are your expectations? Just have fun, Sean. I was having fun with it, to be honest, until we had to spend an hour on the asteroid. It, I think it, it opens promisingly. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as Colin to say it's fine all the way to the asteroid, but... I'm not going to say it's, like, good, but it's like... <laughs> I was willing to go with it and it's, you know, idiotic logic. I could go with it is basically what I'm saying. I wasn't completely checked out until they get to that asteroid. Uh, but it opens. It's it's fun. It's really over the top. Uh, Paris gets entirely blown up. I think that's later. Uh, At first they, they destroy New York City. And Eddie Griffin's dog. Oh, God, yeah. Lots of shots of the World Trade Center. <laughs> oh, yeah, damage. that's right. There is a shot in this movie where the top of one of the World Trade Center towers is smoking and on fire. It is very unsettling. <laughs> but it opens with that. It cuts to the oil rig where Bruce Willis is shooting at Ben Affleck, and Ben Affleck is like, swinging around on vines somehow <laughs> and then it just it slows down but the filmmaking style does not slow down at all with the narrative and it, it just it's hard to watch which I didn't expect after enjoying watching The Rock not too long ago wow oh man so how about the core? Have any of you guys seen that yet that haven't seen it? No. I mean, I remember you and Colin having discussion about it that is on a podcast somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, basically talking about all the the terrible scenes in it. Uh, just a brief, very brief, like one, two-sentence recap on the plot to that one. It's basically like the opposite of Armageddon, where <laughs> instead of leaving Earth to blow... Something up. They go farther inside of the Earth to. How are they gonna stop? Because like the Earth's core is deteriorating and it's gonna blow up, and they want to stop it from blowing up by by blowing it up. up. You know, I haven't done research, but I'm gonna I'm gonna fight you on this one. I believe what they said was happening was the Earth's core was slowing down its spin. And yeah, that sounds stop. right. And then that mm-hmm. was it wasn't gonna blow up. It was just gonna kill everyone because. Well, I remember there are people who just like kind of randomly <laughs> die in the middle of this movie. It was the Earth's magnetic field was going crazy because of the core slowing down. <laughs> so there were like super lightning yeah. storms. <laughs> yep. Sounds like they did the research for this one. Yeah. I wonder how many errors are in this movie. <laughs> That's definitely one thing I remember from your guys' conversation about it is all the weird inaccuracies. Like, um, 
the inconsistencies, or I don't know if it's inconsistencies, but people going into like very, very hot places that no way they could ever withstand. There's some scenes like that, right? Yeah. Like extreme temperature. Because they keep having to go outside of their drilling machine yeah. because uh, there has to be conflict in the movie. They, <laughs> they can't just like ride down smoothly. They've got to keep getting out. And there's one room where, yeah, it's like 4,000 degrees. And Delroy Lindo has to go in there to shut something off. But he he doesn't burst into flames. He's just like sweating really really profusely. He's like getting kind of tired. And then he just kind of just kind of dies. Only sad death in the whole movie. Does anyone die an interesting or entertaining death? Stanley Tucci's no, I think death. That's... Stanley Tucci's death is. How does he die? Uh, well, it's not like a interesting way to die, but it's. I think it's a fun scene because, like, his whole thing is he's like the celebrity scientist, as opposed to Aaron Eckhart, who's like the blue collar scientist who really <laughs> figures shit out. But Stanley mm-hmm. Tucci's like, I- I'm a millionaire because of my-, my good science. Um, and he's like the whole time he's like dictating, he's re- re- recording himself so he can write about this or something. And in the end, he like has to get trapped in the in the bomb that's gonna reignite the earth, and he's like still dictating. He's like, "What am I doing?" And it's kind of fun. But most people just oh, die uh, by being dumb and being crushed, or set on fire. <laughs> yeah, I remember like a like a rock hits Bruce Greenwood in the head, and then he <laughs> falls over into like a pool of lava or something. Yeah, that's that's at the part where they're in the Earth's core, where it's all crystals for some reason. Crystal. Oh yeah, there's the crystal like, core. <laughs> the middle of the earth has a bunch of crystals in it for some reason. And a, a question to the to this Ann Armageddon: How are the effects in these kind of early two thousands, late nineties uh, disaster movies? I would say movies? the effects in Armageddon are terrific. So okay, yeah, they're actually pretty solid. Which I guess is because they're not really dealing with any objects that are that complex. Yeah, it's just like a big asteroid, big chunk of rock. I mean, there are some moments of, like, oh, that person is not moving like a human being. Um, you know. <laughs> I remember in that New York scene, there's, you actually see the bodies flying out of skyscrapers. Which is another thing you couldn't get away with post-9-11. Probably not. <laughs> As far as the core, well, it has the luxury of most of the story taking place from inside the drill machine, um, which, you know, because it's so hot in there, is is thick, and they can't quite see out of it. That's so good. And then it's dark as well. There's no light. So I'm, I, I think it looks fine. <laughs> but but they like... like... <laughs> sounds like the perfect situation. <laughs> But they, like, show the ship going through Earth's core, and it looks like... looks like this weird, like, vortex thing. Yeah. It doesn't look... You can never really orient, like, what you're looking at Mm -hmm. exactly. How everything's happening, how they're moving, how they control anything. 
That's why I feel like another thing in this movie is it kind of. I'm allergic to bullshit. The core does open with that sweet space shuttle landing on the streets in some city. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> a shuttle lands from space on a highway or whatever. Just like an airplane. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about something that I think we also have talked about before. Have we? I believe this was in our uh, End of the World Scenarios podcast, The Day After Tomorrow, where we talked about just this, this situation. I don't, I don't think we've really talked about the film itself, in, mm-hmm. at least not in great detail. But apparently this type of situation is so uh, so well established that we could just go into it. So the Day After Tomorrow is about um, what causes super global warming, do you remember? I don't think anything specific does. <laughs> the problem with this movie is I feel like there's... A scene at the beginning where Dennis Quaid is, like, explaining all of the reasoning behind why we're going through this super accelerated Ice Age thing. But we just see the very end of that scene. So he's just like, and yep, that's how it's all gonna happen. Well, and then the whole movie, he's like, this is supposed to take hundreds of years. Now you're saying it's gonna happen in a day? And everyone's just like, yeah, yeah, it is. We don't have that kind of time. There is, at the very beginning of the movie, they're out exploring you know, in the Arctic, and they stick that sensor in the ground, and it, like, breaks the whole shelf of the iceberg that they're on. That seemed pretty mm-hmm. bad. Maybe it's all his fault. Yeah, he caused it by drilling too hard. So that happens, and he goes to a conference, and then he, and he's like, "Check it out, global warming's bad news." And Dick Cheney's like, "No, it's not. Shut up." So Dennis Quaid leaves, and he meets with Ian Holm, and Ian Holm's like, "By the way, I I need to tell you something." Then we cut to Dennis Quaid, and he's back in America. We have no idea what the hell they were going to talk about. So I think you're right, Colin. I think there are two instances of them trying to explain what's going to happen, and then just, yeah, we'll just cut that out of the movie. All, all of them happen off-screen. So. That doesn't need to be part of the story. Mm-mm. Just want to see uh, Jake Gyllenhaal run away from a blizzard. So it's just like a bunch of snow? Like, I don't really remember well, there's like the movie a that well. Well, there's like a tornado thing that sweeps through... Los Angeles. A blizzard tornado? I think it's just a regular tornado. It turns into a blizzard okay. tornado. Later on. So there's like a bunch of tornadoes all over the world, and it turns into one that takes over the entire northern hemisphere. And it freezes everything. Is that like a real... Like, is, could that happen at all? Ever? No. <laughs> I don't think it would... If it did, it wouldn't happen in a week like it does in this movie. <laughs> Because it has to bring about the next ice age, real fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that LA stuff is cool. 
kind of. Uh, I guess the the big problem with this movie is it's just not that fun. Like it's got this very serious, somber tone where it feels like it's trying to make a a point about global warming, but it never actually goes to the trouble of making a point about global warming. Just kind of, just kind of there. creepy yeah and then shit doesn't happen for a long time there's this there's like this character drama sweet storm in LA where like tornadoes come down buildings get ripped in half some reporter gets fl- fucking flattened by a, a flying billboard that looks sweet but he's just standing there and this billboard sweeps up on him and he's Done. He's gone. <laughs> he just got flattened he's like a cartoon character. To be. <laughs> but then shit starts freezing, and Dennis Quaid's like, I gotta get to Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm gonna walk from Washington, D.C. to New York. And we have to, like, sit through this. And it's just him walking, and Jake Gyllenhaal, like, trying to get with his girl for, I don't know. He's trying to get with this girl. Yeah, so Jake, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal's Paul, Jake Gyllenhaal's part is that uh, despite looking like he's twenty nine, he's like sixteen years old, and he's in this uh, high school uh, like mathletes or something. No, it was like a Jeopardy club basically, because we see them at this competition. Yeah. They're just answering trivia. Um, and uh, it's because he's so smart that, like, he's just taking advantage of that so he can try to get with this girl. Uh, even though. And he's got his nerdy black friend. Yeah, he's got the nerdy friend. You guys remember the Nickelodeon show, like, Alan Strange or whatever it's called? Yeah. Yeah, that's, sure. that's, that's the nerdy black guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good choice. Mm hmm. So he's in New York for this competition, and uh, he's really worried because the girl he wants to hook up with is, like, talking with this rich guy. And that's like, oh, God, I'm going to lose her. This guy's rich. He's got it all. Mm -hmm. Um, But then all the the shit goes down. So it works out. It's, yeah. It's another very typical Roland Emmerich movie in that it just like tries jamming as many characters into it as possible as if that'll make it seem more complex as a film. Like that one scene where we like for a little while get to know like these like stereotypical New York guys that are getting on a bus and like, oh, we got to get on this bus before we get killed. And then the bus just gets taken out. Like wow, I'm glad I got to know those guys. <laughs> it seemed real cool. But yeah, I don't know if there's much to say about this movie because it's just fucking boring. Oh, well, we have been talking about it for like 25 minutes. I know, minutes. <laughs> and I'm trying to come up with something like really funny about it, but it's just it's that's the fucking thing. boring. It's kind of sad. Then let's move on. Depressing. Except for that guy getting flattened. That was hilarious. <laughs> That's on the DVD menu. You can just watch that. 
on loop. <laughs> All right, let's talk about another Rolandebrick joint, Godzilla. No. Wait, 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 wait. Before yeah, we yeah. ruin it, how do you guys feel about Godzilla '98? Um, so- I remember it being like entertaining, but like not like in a cheesy way. I mean, yeah, like I was like eight years old, so or ten. So I was like, yeah, it's like this is entertainment. Do you guys remember the first time you saw it? I saw it in theaters. I so remember did I. very and... specifically because my grandma fell asleep. <laughs> I remember when I saw it, it was with Sean and John for John's birthday party. I think Guess so. Ninth or at least birthday close party. to my birthday. Something like that. I feel like that was like the first time I hung out with you guys outside of elementary school. That was like the moment where I was like, okay, I think I'm officially friends with these guys. Yeah, I, I remember when we went to like Taco Bell and got like this 15 taco <laughs> slash burrito thing. And like they had Taco Bell or they had Godzilla cups. So like yeah. it was Godzilla everything. That was a real treat for me back then. First of all, because Taco Bell was way better in the '90s. I don't know why. I don't. I don't know if there's. Well, you got the Mexican scientific reason why all their food seems better in the '90s. But also because like I never got to go to Taco Bell. That was just on my parents' list of forbidden restaurants. <laughs> so that was a real treat for you. That was a real yeah. treat. I was like, oh my god, so good. Is this the same like logic that? Uh, allows you to think that Taco Del or not Taco Del Mar, Del Taco is uh, like the greatest taco ever created. No, but see, I've had Del Taco a couple times since then, and I I know it doesn't live up to it. It's just <laughs> if we just had that one special night, I had that one night stand with Del Taco, <laughs> and trying to make a relationship out of it was a mistake. <laughs> so, so why right, don't you so want? Why don't you guys Godzilla. tell us what Godzilla 1998 is about? What it's about? I, I don't remember. I mean, it's about a giant monster that attacks New York, and I seem to recall for some reason lays eggs because it's that they wanted a part that was ripping off Jurassic Park, I guess. And Matthew Broderick, I don't know what's he what he's an expert on mutations, worms. worms. I mean, he, he's a worm guy. Everyone calls him the worm guy, Nick Totopoulos. I think Hank Azaria was in there as a cameraman, and Jean Renault has like some underground movement. I don't know if any of these elements are true or, or anything. These are just little snippets that I remember. So if you want to connect the dots. Okay, here, so you have to kind of do it yourself. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. In your mind, who's the female lead in this movie? Uh, I don't know. Some chick with curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Some chick with curly hair. In my mind, it was Sarah Jessica Parker, I guess, just because Matthew Broderick. And I just assumed, oh, this is where they met. But no, it's just some other lady who sort of has Sarah Jessica Parker type qualities. That's not a good good thing to have. Yeah, there's only room for one. That's why her career didn't pan out as well. So this movie... um... Roland Emmerich has a lot of faith in the audience uh, to put together the plot on, on their own. Um, so what what we get is an opening uh, set in like the 50s uh, when uh, I guess France is doing nuclear tests 
in uh, Polynesia. And uh, the last shot of that is of like an iguana, like looking forlorn, and then it explodes nearby. Um, so. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I just keep going. The iguana doesn't explode. There's, an ex- there's a nuclear explosion, and we see this iguana is in the blast radius. Just kind of looking at it. Yeah. So we cut to uh, Chernobyl where uh, Matthew Broderick is just driving around on his own and uh, he digs up these worms and some stuff happens that the, the military comes and gets him um, because of these uh, attacks at sea that we see uh, with Japanese fishermen um, and then it's later uh, he meets uh, Kevin Dunn who's like the military guy in this movie the stray heron of this film um and he says like you wouldn't believe what nuclear radiation does these worms i've been studying are 17 percent bigger than worms usually are and kevin dunn just kind of like oh really that's funny so like that's all we get but roland emmerich trusts all of us to put it together like okay some some nuclear bomb test in the 50s made some iguana get way more than 17% bigger he's he's like way way more than that and he also doesn't even seem like an iguana anymore but it's been like way longer so I guess that's just like the lasting effects of the radiation also he became asexual um, and is born pregnant full of eggs and he has to come and lay the eggs in Manhattan because it's like the most populated dangerous place for him to do that <laughs> So, am I supposed to believe that this is the offspring of that iguana? Like, they kept mutating over time, or this iguana just got really big? Like, what do you think? Personally, like, how do you I like to together? imagine it's the same iguana who's been continually <laughs> mutating. It just got really big. <laughs> really like, old like how do we blow up the kids? It's, it changed yeah, a lot. It's not a generational thing. It's a... I mean, there wouldn't be enough time for, like, evolution or just, like, it to change too much. It'd have to be that one, I guess. Or, I don't know, just some weird mutation, I guess. That's insane, like, to think that that could happen in, what, like, 40 years? How, I don't know the timeline here, but I assume, was it, yeah, gosh. All right. We'll <laughs> go with it. Uh, so, th- eggs and... Like, yeah, eggs and then uh, Godzilla just shows up and... Starts wreaking havoc, and they have a bunch of dumb plans, like to set out a bunch of fish and then just try to shoot them a lot. Even though Sean, watching the movie, came up with a better plan in saying that, <laughs> why don't they just poison the fish? Because the thing is, they try this plan twice. It doesn't work the first time. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, let's Get just do here. the exact same thing again. Yeah, so they, uh, Godzilla shows up in Manhattan, and their first thing is like, okay, let's seal all the tunnels, let's make it so he can't get off Manhattan, just just because. Does Godzilla take tunnels? Oh yeah, Godzilla spends most of this movie buried deep underground, (laughs) swimming through the sewers and stuff. So what, are the sewers that big? Oh no, really? you have to understand. Godzilla changes size for some reason. <laughs> just, he just could like shrink. Time. It's not. They never show him shrinking, but he clearly is like taller than skyscrapers. And then later, he's just swimming through the sewers. So 
Yeah, no way he can fit through that. <laughs> it's another thing where you have to it's read between the lines of this movie. Right. Like, there's a scene in this movie, uh, it's the first scene where they feed him fish, where Godzilla breaks out of a hole and then is seen, uh, because Matthew Broder gets backed up against the, the sewer hole, which has been, like, ejected onto the street. And Godzilla is now way bigger than the hole he just came out of. So you just gotta be like, okay, well, maybe when he feels threatened, he grows in size. Uh-huh. Um... So that plan. Do you want to talk about the characters in this movie? Okay, so the characters in this movie are the cast of The Simpsons, almost in their entirety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got Harry Shearer, Hank Azaria. This dog is not about. There's a dog there? Why is there a dog there? Where? In your life. That's. It's outside. Oh. <laughs> and Fraser's pissing him off. This is all part of the podcast. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, you laid it down pretty simply when the other day you told me that the movie doesn't work because all the characters are the comic relief. Yeah, so there are a ton of situations in this movie where you should be, like, scared. And so the characters should also be scared because they're, you know, going to die. Uh, but instead, they just keep making jokes. Over and over and over. And every character is just, like, just really silly. You can't take a single one of them seriously. Even Jean Reno? Oh, yeah. He's pretty silly. There's like one part where he starts speaking in an American accent. He's like, oh, yes, I used to watch John the Way in the movies. Oh, it's like, pretty bad. Yeah. So what's his deal? So uh, because, <laughs> remember, it was French Polynesia where they were doing the tests. So uh, he's part of these, like, I, I, they call it like the, the French Secret Service. Um, and they've come to kill Godzilla and also, like, destroy the evidence, which, which is impossible. Uh, because, to quote Jean Renaud, like, I feel responsible for this, because I'm French. We take care of our own shit. But they don't take care of their own shit by, like, advising the Americans or... Uh, collaborating with them in any way. They just secretly sneak around with guns hoping to kill it. Uh, which they do not even get close to because all they end up doing is finding the eggs and then they tell the Americans about it uh, thanks to um, the fact that Curly Haired Lady is a reporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's not die. really a reporter. She's not really a reporter. She just tells Nick Topolis that she is. So Harry Shearer's the real reporter. Harry Shearer's the real reporter because um, he's like a pompous dick. <laughs> That's why he's the real one. <laughs> That's how you get ahead. There's a scene early in the movie where she's like, can I have that new reporting job that I, that I know you're looking for someone for? And he's like, I don't know. Can you come get some dinner with me? And she's like, hell yeah. <laughs> Like I don't want to do that, and he's like, "Okay, well then you're not gonna get that job." He's he's pretty 
blunt about it. At least he's honest. That's <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and he's like short, so he's like super pissed when he has when he sits down at the desk, and the the other reporter's way taller than him. So yeah, he's got it going. Nothing ever happens to him, by the way. If you think it's like fun to introduce a dick character so that he can then have an embarrassing death, uh, that would be nice. But no, he just kind of stops being in the movie after a while. Okay. But no one takes this shit seriously. I mean, uh, the reporter lady and Matthew Broderick had a relationship, and they broke up. And it's just like they like escape Godzilla's attack, and they're like, "Oh man, let's talk about a relationship." <laughs> Instantly, they just flip a switch, like and didn't like, like it's not the end of the world. Uh, they get to the fucking eggs, and everyone's just like, "Ah, this sucks." Well, we better scramble <laughs> these eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then at the end, they they kill Godzilla by getting him caught on a bridge, uh, and then they just shoot him a bunch. So I guess in the end that plan did work. <laughs> yeah. Shoot him a lot. What? It just took it just took a lot of bullets. It just took a lot of bullets. Is it like some epiphany that the characters come do though to lead it to that situation? No. To get it on. <laughs> <laughs> no one really learns anything in this movie. Well, I think they, they actually managed to fire a couple missiles at him this time. Yeah. Uh, that was the trick. Most of the times they were using helicopters. This time they used airplanes. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's the moral of the story. Before we move on, I just have to mention my favorite thing about this movie is because Roger Ebert gave a bad review to Roland Emmerich's previous film, Independence Day... Uh, Roland Emmerich basically made Roger Ebert a character in this movie. Mayor Ebert is the one running the town, and he's got his assistant Gene, who looks exactly like Gene Siskel. And, uh, yeah, there were lots of posters where, like, Mayor Ebert's just giving the thumbs up. And then at the very end of the movie, Gene and Mayor Ebert have... A short but very intense argument before Gene gives Mayor Ebert a thumbs down and walks off screen. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. He sure shows like satirical. Him. It's very satirical, but not subtle <laughs> in the least. His name's Ebert. His name is literally Ebert, and he looks exactly like Roger Ebert. <laughs> Did Ebert have a response to this? He um, did, but he... I don't know. He wasn't bad about it. He was more just, like, abused by yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's fun. like... And he actually said, like, you know, we just make a bunch... I just make a bunch of bad decisions in the movie. I'm glad I didn't get, like, squashed by the monster or anything. <laughs> Kevin Dunn's great, as always. Yeah. <laughs> as a generic military guy he's killing it so Independence Day is it bad is it good I don't know eh, it's, it's always been the debate you it know? is People... I just watched it this past week cause I hadn't seen it since I was a child so I didn't really remember and I would say it's okay I think what's kinda disappointing about it is it's so kinda such a kind of by the book disaster movie like every character is, it, is just kind of is it by the book or is it by the Roland Emmerich book 
I guess it's by the Roland Emmerich book. Maybe that's why it, it <laughs> felt a little tired to me, because I had just previously watched The Day After Tomorrow and Godzilla. And I think the biggest trademark of his films is, like, literally every single one starts with a guy looking at some sort of radar in a... <laughs> in some underground bunker and he's like oh there's something coming towards us and then he makes a phone call and it somehow gets to the president that happens in all of them <laughs> but this one has the best president of all the Roland Emmerich movies so far uh yeah I mean we didn't get to see the president in Godzilla it's true we just had Mayor Ebert mm-hmm and the day after tomorrow, he's just kind of like a handsome guy who... <laughs> I guess he's like George Bush in that he's not really making the decisions while his vice president, who looks a lot like Dick Cheney, makes all the decisions. Scathing stuff. Which is, which is some more <laughs> just biting satire from Roland Emmerich. But yeah, Independence Day, it's alright. It's... I feel like, in my memory, the reason I like that one, as maybe opposed to some other Roland Emmerich movies, is I feel like that's the one where his all his comedic relief characters maybe worked the best. I mean, I'm not saying they're great, but I do recall enjoying like Randy Quaid and yeah. Brent Spiner as the quirky, like Area 51 type guy. I mean, and it's impossible to hate Jeff Goldblum in a movie. Well, he's pretty much and Will playing the, the exact same. With Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith, like, that's like the two most likable stars you could have. It's the, Yeah, it's pretty about that part at the end where they, like, team up and they're in the alien spaceship. Yeah. That's, that's pretty very fun. Very interesting pairing. Yeah. I wish I could have, wish they'd hung out more in this movie or in other movies. I mean, what I like about that is, I, I th- isn't that the movie where, like, Jeff Goldblum keeps jumping to all these conclusions. He just he's always like off on some thought, and he starts putting things together. Is that that movie? Sort I mean, what's of. His char- he's just really smart. Pretty much, his character isn't that <laughs> fleshed out. But I think right. Jeff Goldblum, being the master thespian he is, gives him a little bit of character <laughs> to go with. Yeah, it is one of those movies where like the main solution is come up with because someone says something dumb. And then the smart person hears it, and they're like, oh my god. Like, I'm, yeah. in this movie, it's, uh, his dad's like, you're gonna catch a cold. And Jeff Goldblum's like, wait a minute, a cold? A virus? That's what I'm thinking of. Cold virus. Yeah. One, like, word that triggers something. It's like, I think he said that. It'd be the end of the world, basically. I mean, that plan doesn't really check out. They insert a computer virus into an alien computer, just assuming that... No, that makes, Gotta try I, th- something. Don't, I thought they said that uh, that like all modern technology came from the other craft spaceship that they had at Area 51. Oh, okay, maybe. Isn't that what they said? <laughs> maybe. I wasn't paying that close of attention. I think that's the plot. That's why the computer virus works. Okay. Because our technology is based on their technology. Even though their technology should therefore be much more advanced than ours, because ours is just a crappy knockoff. But whatever. It's, yeah, it's like Microsoft DOS at that point. 
I guess the other sort of ridiculous thing is at the end, the president gets in a jet plane and fights Ailey. <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking sweet. And he makes that amazing speech. Well, I feel like the, the, most of the movie, it's a f- like it's a fairly realistic depiction of of presidency, how it would react in this situation. But then he goes off. He's like, "I'm I'm a I'm a jet fighter again. Let's do this." You're telling me George W. Bush never would have done that. He landed on the plane, didn't he? I don't think so. <laughs> let's, let's go shoot some aliens. This wow, pretty hard to flunk out of Air Force school or whatever. Uh-huh. Give it, a, give it a whirl. The thing about it is, I guess Independence Day got to a point that not a lot of alien invasion movies like make it far enough to, you know, like Battle L.A. or Signs <laughs> or uh, I don't know other ones. It's always like, well, the aliens show up and we fight them, and then we win. But here, this was a movie where the aliens show up, we fight them, and we lose. And so this was like, this is, this the system doesn't matter anymore, you know. Bill Pullman's out there fighting because, right now they need fighter pilots more than they need a president because if they fail, well, humanity's done because they've already lost. This is the last stand type deal. So mm-hmm. it works for me. I'm on board. Okay. <laughs> All right, then. Let's move on to knowing. Has anyone else seen this movie? No. No, but I'd love to hear about I it. I watched the ending of it <laughs> well, on no- YouTube. <laughs> Knowing's a big piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> basically, the premise of knowing is uh, it opens in like the late 50s, and there's these kids in this elementary school putting together stuff to put in a time capsule. And there's this really weird girl. And she just starts scribbling down all these numbers. And, but, and no one really knows what it means. And then it's like, it's 2009 or something. And Nicolas Cage is with his son. And they're, you know, at the school, you know, in the future. And they open the time capsule. And, like, I guess every kid gets to take something. I don't know if that's how time capsules work. Um, but... He, he, the Nicholas Cage's son gets this this uh, this this paper with all these numbers, and Nicholas Cage, very conveniently, is a genius astrophysicist guy who like looks at all these numbers, and then I don't know how he comes to this conclusion, realizes that they all coincide with some horrible disaster that's happened throughout history. Like, oh, well, these numbers add up to this is 9/11. This is how many people died 9/11, and then he's come to this conclusion that in a certain amount of days there's going to be another disaster somehow i don't i don't know how he comes to that and so he's trying to like i guess the whole movie is just trying to like tell people about it or or get more information i think they go um after the the girl i mean who wrote the thing originally but she's now dead so they they find like her daughter and it's rose Byrne, but she doesn't really like know anything and meanwhile the kids having these like weird visions with these weird guy, like stranger guys and they like seize them in reality and they like give them a rock I'm not really sure the significance of that was there's a lot of these like mysterious magic rocks in the movie um to cut it short basically here we go Nicholas <laughs> Nicholas Cage finds out that there's gonna be a huge like a solar flare and he's gotta warn everybody about it but there's not really anything he can do about it 
Like, he can't stop a solar flare, and there's not nearly enough time. So, I seem to recall some part near the end where these these stranger guys who are walking around everywhere are like aliens, and they're going to take certain people with them. And so, Nicolas Cage gives them his son, and I think he had a daughter too. And then, Nicolas Cage is just left on Earth, and <laughs> then everybody on Earth dies. As it's just terrible that there's this, like Nicolas Cage from the beginning knows something bad's gonna happen, tries to um, to stop it. it, literally has no effect over anything, and then everyone in the world dies, except for it's like a huge like there's just fire everywhere like coming down from the sky, and just like blows the shit out of everything. And the kids are taken to this weird like happy planet with grass and the tree of life, and they're all prancing around at the end, even though the world's just blown up. And it just feels like a big middle finger where it's like you, you're posed with a threat and then you're just watching the characters succumb to the threat and there's nothing really they can do about it. Like, I mean, I guess that's definitely a disaster, but you like to see the characters have some sort of sway in the situation and they have nothing. Except aliens. So are the, are, yeah, are we given any, like... <laughs> Like warnings about the aliens? Like, do they just show up at the end? They just start showing up. <laughs> Apparently, they're going to take the children for some reason to their new planet. They're, I guess, they're trying to save some people to protect the future of the human race. But I don't know why it's just children and not like geniuses like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> just let them stay on Earth and die. Because that way you can get their rid motivations. Of human yeah. culture, you know. Just wipe it I out. guess, kind of start anew. I mean, they, they kind of just seem like a poor version of, you know, Alex Preuss is the director, and he also made Dark City. They're very much like those those weird alien-type guys from Dark City, uh, just kind of mysteriously walking around. I mean, I guess just so there's something in the plot that's like, I don't know, can actually lead to something instead of just watching the world slowly end for, you know, 90 minutes. No, two hours. It just feels like a big middle finger. I really, really hate it. I don't remember why I saw it. I think it was that premise. You're like, oh, what do these numbers mean? And what's he going to do about it? And the answer is nothing. He's going to die. I feel like... Uh, but he, he made, like, inner Blowing peace, up right? the world is, like, the worst ending you can have to a movie. <laughs> I've seen movies where the world just blows up and I feel like it's super lazy and... I don't know. Other, just other, never see it. Are there other movies where the world just blows up and that's the end? Beneath the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> that's a movie where in the last scene, Charlton Heston presses a button that blows up the world and everyone dies. <laughs> that's right. It's definitely not one of my favorite subgenres of film. <laughs> Blowing up the world. But, but it's okay if you do it at the beginning, though. like. The immortal classic Titan AE. <laughs> yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I never saw it because you guys went and saw it without me. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> never forget. If there's one thing you know about knowing, is that how much it sucks. <laughs> so let's go ahead to something I'm really excited to hear about. So I watched Sharknado the other day. And, uh, I don't know. 
I don't know why people are so excited about it. I got the reputation where it's like, okay, out of all these uh, crappy B-list disaster movies by the Asylum Studios, this is like the best. It like does it right. Like it's so dumb. But I don't know. I could have used a little more sharks in it. <laughs> like there's definitely way too much story in this movie like pretty much all of those crappy sci-fi CGI movies there are definitely some fun parts <laughs> like uh, at one point John Hurd like knocks out a shark with his bar stool because <laughs> that's like his, his favorite thing in the world he's just all about going to this bar getting drunk and the bar's owned by the guy from <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210 Ian Zeering. Yes, not Luke Perry and not Jason Priestley, but the yeah. other guy. He's like I'm looking up that his character's name was Finn. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty clever. Well done. And he's just like trying to get his family, he's just trying to save them <laughs> before the Sharknado. That's nice. Just just tears apart all, all of L.A. And his wife is played by Tara Reid, of course. And, you know, Ian Ziering, he's like, he's given a sincere performance. I feel like nobody in here is like winking at the camera. I mean, they must have all known that they were in a piece of crap movie, but they're like doing it earnest. And I can appreciate that. Although Tara Reid doesn't quite seem like she know what she's doing in this movie she seems possibly hung over in most of her scenes but whatever it's a paycheck for her and uh shark the sharknado doesn't really come till the end that's a little disappointing it's more like a shark monsoon for a lot of it it's just like oh. yeah there's just just like a not never ending one, like a huge wave that keeps coming. Yeah, basically. The shark like on sharks it. keep I mean, it's very inconsistent with like how high the water is. Like in one scene it'll just be like, Oh, it just looks like it rained a little bit and then just a huge wave will crash to the side of the freeway and you know, a little shark will come in and someone'll shoot it in the face. Or kill it with a chainsaw. Yeah, that happens too. Where, like, at the end, they actually go up into the Sharknado in a helicopter, and <laughs> they're fighting with a chainsaw and machine guns. And that's fun. That's, that's a good time. But it's like, I don't care about your zeering family issues. That's, that's not what I'm here for. Also, spoiler, John Hurd dies pretty early on in it. Yeah. He gets eaten by a shark. <laughs> Does anyone just kind of get, like, whacked by a shark? Because this guy's kind of flying by. Yeah, that happens a few times. Well, it's not like they get whacked. It's just like... <laughs> shark just flies in and... Ow! And then the guy's dead. <laughs> so is there scenes of people falling in the Sharknado and then they get eaten in the Sharknado? Uh, not, not prominently. Not prominently, because as I said, it's not till the very end where I guess we just because yeah. the shark nail is just kind of like going on in the background <laughs> while while they're trying to deal with their family issues. 
And then every once in a while, a shark tidal wave will just come in out of nowhere. What I don't understand is how is a sharknado more devastating than a regular tornado? Because <laughs> there are sharks. Are there it. any tornado? I mean, if related? you get sucked in a tornado, you're dead already, right? I mean, yeah. why does it have to be a shark? <laughs> how many people are killed just by high winds and flood conditions in this movie? Um, I mean, there are a few since, I mean, the the flood conditions kind of go hand in hand with all of the sharks. So some people just get thrown into the to the waves. But they get eaten by sharks. Yeah, usually. So you, or we you, could just... you never see someone die without being eaten. Uh, well, how would they die? Would you just watch someone drowning in water? That's not very exciting. Well, but I'm, no, I'm not saying you have to, like, hold the camera on it and watch as, the, <laughs> as they drown. But I'm saying, is there is there, like, any character who is, like, killed without being eaten? Explicitly or implicitly. Uh, I'm trying to think. I watched so many disaster movies in the last week. They're all kind of. I'm sure if someone gets stabbed with something that just kind of goes foom, right through their belly. Um. So at the end of this movie, I mean, are they trying? Do they have a way to stop the Sharknado, or they just have to wait for it to run its course? <laughs> Like, can you stop a tornado? Blow it up. <laughs> yeah, they, I think they yeah tornado. they blow it up. They just throw a bomb into the middle of the sharknado and then they fly away. That makes it sound way more dangerous. They do it in a helicopter tornado, too, if shark. I remember correctly. Yeah, they they fly away in the helicopter. They're just like flying around, bombing okay. the that sharknado. Works. But then. Yeah, this is all I've seen is the ending of the movie. Someone, like, falls out of it and gets swallowed whole by a shark. Then later, they, like, chop that shark up, and she's fine. Like, this, the shark literally swallowed her whole. <laughs> Didn't even close its mouth once. Missed all those teeth. Yep. Jeez. It, would, you, would you recommend it if, like, if I, if I want to have a good chuckle? Uh, nah. <laughs> I think it might be fun with like other people, but I suggested to Sean we watch it, and he wanted no part of it. Nice. The text he sent me after I asked him if he wanted to do it was, let's see, what did he say? <laughs> Sharknado. So excited for this tip. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, this better be good, Colin. <laughs> oh, it'll be pretty good. Just give me a second. How much time? See, they're making another Sharknado. It's called Sharknado 2, the second one. <laughs> okay, yes, I said to Sean after Sean said, so Godzilla isn't on any streaming services. And I said, well, we could always watch Sharknado. We could always watch Sharknado. And Sean said, I would rather kill everyone in the world and then myself. <laughs> Didn't watch Sharknado. So I watched it alone. But I think it might be fun. I know they had <laughs> showings of it in theaters. Yeah. 
I'm sure those people had fun at it. Oh yeah, shark happens. Sure does. There's a tagline to the next one. Shark happens. Comes out in July. All right. Ian Zeering's back on board. <laughs> how, how could he not be? It also has. Uh, who else was? I was just looking at it. It had like total nonstop action wrestling star Kurt Angle. <laughs> that was like his title. <laughs> not only does he, <laughs> he like wrestle, but it's total nonstop action. TNA. Yeah, that's the name that's, of the league. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to the Final Destination series. I remember us getting together a, a few years ago and watching the only the, the the only three that existed at the time, and that was a pretty enjoyable experience. Not enjoyable because they're good, though. I mean, they're pretty stupid. They have really lame generic characters but the deaths are just hilarious particularly the second one which is if i recall also the worst one <laughs> um does that also make it the best one i think that's the one we got to be talking about because honestly i kind of think the third one is like okay because it's so entertaining yeah. it's definitely not a good movie but it's just too funny. I, like, I'm just having too good of a time to say, like, don't see this. Uh-huh. But the second one was, like, super serious. They tried to figure out, like, well, we can stop it by doing blah, 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 blah. And I just didn't care. But it had some pretty hilarious deaths. There's um, one I recall in particular was there's that little boy who he knows something's going to happen. Or, or somebody knows something's going to happen. And he just runs into some pigeons. And he goes, Pigeons. I actually, I don't know at all why this scene happened. He has pigeons, and he runs forward, and a giant sheet of glass just smushes him. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember why that was in there. And it has a great scene where uh, there's the. I think the inciting incident is this huge, like traffic uh, accident where it involves like a bunch of logs coming out of a truck, like smashing people in the head. Yeah, it's basically like if a rube. Goldberg machine was a traffic accident. <laughs> yeah. One thing leads to another. So many people die. Um, and the, the, fi- the, the final death in that is, is hilarious. Because they kill another kid. <laughs> they kill another kid. Some kid gets like blown up by a barbecue grill. <laughs> yeah, because they're like, well, I guess we don't have to worry about dying anymore. You know, I wish I could remember the scene more clearly because in my memory, it is the most hilarious thing ever. I mean, well, yeah, because they're all sitting at a picnic table, and I think, I don't know if this is right, actually, but in the background, there's that grill that explodes. And I think, like, the kid's arm, like, flies and then flops on the picnic table. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Because you think it's the happy ending, and the kid explodes. <laughs> That's yeah, that's in good taste. No doubt about it. And these are kind of interesting disaster movies in that they're specific people are targeted. Yeah, they're not, you know, end of the world disasters. They're just everyday Rube Goldberg disasters. Um Well there's always a disaster at the beginning of the movie. Well, and then yeah, but, but like whether a plane crash or you know, that involves a lot of people, and it's the people that don't get killed. And then everyone dies in, in accidents. You know, they're, yeah, they're never yeah. killed by just a crazy guy with a gun or monsters or stuff. 
Which is a pretty unique uh, idea, I think. But, I mean, where can you take it? You just gotta kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Is this one? Are there five of these at this point? There's five, and you know it's it's too bad. Is we probably should check out those other ones because I heard the fifth one is like fun again. Like the fourth one I heard is really bad. I remember watching the, f- the disaster from maybe it was the fifth one. Do you remember that, Sean? We watched it. Oh god, that was so gross. All I remember is David Koechner gets killed in a really <laughs> graphic way. I remember there was like a gymnast and sh- there's like a like a screw. Oh, yeah. oh god, why did you remind me of that? Yeah, the screw comes undone and she does a flip and literally just like she hits the floor and all the bones in her body just break and burst out of her skin. Ugh. It doesn't look like she was moving Oops. that much, but yeah. <laughs> oh no. That's the appropriate you said it. But no, I mean we gotta we gotta get together and watch all these. I assume there'll be another one at some point. It's just too good not to do. Nancy, have you seen the third one? Yeah, I've only seen the second one and the third one. I've never seen the first one. Okay. It's pretty stupid. It's pretty funny, though, especially mm-hmm. when Stifler dies. So I was trying to remember what movie we were watching that one time when uh, you called Sean, and Sean was like, hey, we're in a movie right now, but we were yeah. just watching a movie on TV. Yeah, top ten. Uh, <laughs> and you actually went to the theater to meet us. <laughs> But we weren't actually there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sad. Yeah. Anyways, a movie I think we all saw together in theaters. I'm not sure if Nancy was there. Were you there for the happening? Oh yeah. Yeah, he totally okay. was. <laughs> yeah, that's one right. Of his, one of his classic lines to uh, a response to a, a death, because there is a scene in the happening where a man. Has a lawnmower, and then he just lays down, and lets it run. The lawnmower runs him over, and Nancy went, "That's what I call the lawnmower." Classic. Out loud, I feel. Like. I feel like everyone was having such a great time at that moment in the movie. It's like that's what I call. Everyone's like, "Oh God, what is this?" Uh, that was a kind of a pretty devastating experience for me, actually, because that was my last. Uh, it, I, like I felt like, oh well, M Night's got to redeem himself with this one. This is his last shot. I mean, Lady in the Water was very good. You know, he's got to, he's got to, you know, hit this one out of the park. <laughs> and I feel like I started noticing it was pretty bad pretty soon, because it opens with a uh, kind of a brief montage of people just killing themselves, and it's very melodramatic. I just remember this, like, sad construction worker and his friend, you know, just, like, jumping off. But, I don't know, it was stupid. And then for, and then you got Mark Wahlberg as, what, a teacher? Mm-hmm. Which is all, that can't be a good move. <laughs> I don't. I assume some sort of science teacher. Was he junior high, high school? High school. Yeah, and he has, like, a family. And Zoe Deschanel, is that his, like, 
ex-wife, yeah, girlfriend? I think he's still his wife. I'm wondering if this is like the source of all my Zoe Deschanel trepidation. <laughs> I don't even remember she's in that movie. Might have not known who she was at that point. Probably not. But I mean, the characters are very throwaway. But I think probably, I mean, there's a lot of uh, bad things about this movie. But I'd say the worst thing about this movie is it is the absolute lamest disaster in the history <laughs> of disaster movies. It's basically nothing. I mean, it's in something in the air. And people just kill themselves. Uh, there's a couple deaths that are maybe kind of interesting. But there's like scenes where like, they're running away from the wind, <laughs> and like they zoom up on a bush, like that. Oh, that's a scary bush! Gotta get out of here. It's just so hard to be afraid of what just looks like nothing. I mean, what a wasted. I mean, film is a visual medium, you know. Like, I'm here to see a disaster, and you're literally gonna put nothing on the screen. I guess that's bold, maybe, but it's also incredibly stupid. Maybe that's how he got it greenlit. M. Night Shyamalan was just like, okay, guess what the special effects budget will be? Zero dollars. And they're like, okay, good enough. Go make it. <laughs> and it never, it's, it's really inconsistent with how certain people are affected by it and certain pe- other people aren't because everyone's outside everyone's near trees but for some reason if you just i guess run fast enough and get to a house i mean what like there's no oxygen in that house it's not seeping in like it it doesn't really make any sense why certain people are getting or killing themselves from it and why other people aren't it's just completely random and they don't even i don't feel like they try to explain it cuz it there's no way that could ever possibly make sense in any shape or form but they probably thought it was like really thought-provoking to leave it with an ambiguous ending. I mean, is that if I recall, does it just end? It just goes away. But at the end, it's like it starts happening somewhere else in the world. I think was it's like it? um, it's like they're in somewhere else, somewhere like Europe, and you yeah. just see like the leaves are rustling again, <laughs> and you're like, oh shit. Oh yeah. I mean, how can anyone see that and not just laugh? Like, that's not threatening. Leaves. Leaves. I don't know. The leaves, the wind, it's, it's all around us all the time. It's, it's, it could happen at any moment. God, and that fucking title, too. I mean, I, I know the working title because I remember following this on IMDb for a while before it actually came out. It was originally called The Green Effect. Which was probably a worse title, but I love the. I mean, the happening is just so bad. And I seem to recall there's a line. I want to say Alan Ruck delivered it, saying that an event is happening. It's like oh, that's line. Thanks for clarifying. Now I know what to do. It's such a poor like sentence too. It's just like such a lame excuse for the title of the movie. Appears that something is happening, but it all tied into the marketing, which was good because it was ambiguous. You didn't, you didn't know this was going to be a big suicide movie about plants. I remember thinking like maybe it was going to be about aliens in the end. That's true. Yeah, a lot of people thought, oh, there's, well, there's, it's a, there's going to be a twist, right? There's going to be something. <laughs> I don't think anyone thought the twist was that there was just going to be nothing. <laughs> Gosh. 
I remember this is like around the time when I go to movies and you'd always get like free little posters. And I had one, but I was just I'd put everything up on my wall, but I was just too ashamed. It was the first time I just couldn't put a poster on my wall. And I just creased it and like put it in the corner of my room. You still have it? I probably <laughs> collected, but you know, all this dust all over it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this, you know, little thing that I, I used to re- remember a dark day. One of the darkest movie-going experiences of my life. Really devastating experience for me. Speaking of being devastated, how do you feel about the Devastator? One of the main characters, <laughs> Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. That is uh, that is that like is serious. That. There is. <laughs> it's the Devastator. Is <laughs> when a bunch of construction Decepticons form together. They become a giant. Constructicon called Devastator. <laughs> Destructicon. Do they know its name? Like, you don't know it shit, clear? John. <laughs> Nobody knows anything. <laughs> the only person who has any idea what's going on is Shia LaBeouf, and he's just freaking out the whole time. Megan Fox is just like trying to be in this, but she's got nothing going on. Kevin Dunn, great movie star, as we all know. <laughs> He's just comic relief. they basically not even in this movie. Tad Hamilton and Tyrese Gibson, no one gives a shit about that. I feel like their plots don't even affect what happens in this movie. Maybe I'm wrong. It's been a while since I had to sit through this in multiple sittings because, Jesus Christ, what kind of an inhuman beast could sit through a whole Transformers movie in one go? I... You know, I care about this shit, which is the problem. This is the movie that turned... Remember The Matrix of Leadership? It was kind of like the main thing from the Transformers movie, the animated Transformers movie. It was like a... Kind of like an orb with handles on it. But the main thing was it was in uh, Optimus Prime's chest. And when he died, he's like, okay, I'm going to pass the the Matrix of Leadership on to... I think it was Ironhide originally, but Ironhide gets pwned by uh, Galvatron, who is uh, the Leonard Nimoy-played evolved version of Megatron and he opens it up and it becomes uh, Hot Rod opens it up and it makes him Rodimus Prime and it's sweet here the Matrix of Leadership again is a big plot point they need it to kill the fallen but check this shit out it's just a big fucking knife (laughs) (laughs) so so it's like a robot knife it's a big robot knife that they can fucking stab (laughs) the fallen with and the Fallen is another Transformer. So, okay, right? the Fallen is this, like, ancient Transformer, because it turns out, even though the Transformers ended up on Earth on accident in the first Transformers movie, they're also, like, ancient Transformers who came to Earth, uh, including, like, this one Autobot who's, like, so old, he's got a robot beard. <laughs> that makes no sense. Uh, <laughs> That's not even, like, funny. Is that is that supposed to be funny? I think it's it pretty just... funny. <laughs> Robot beard. <laughs> robots don't age; they're fucking robots. I'm sorry, Sean. Continue. <laughs> so the fallen, <laughs> fallen is like I could take over everything except, uh, you know, it's like destiny that a prime will kill me. So he gets Megatron, who is who's like a corpse at this point. I don't remember what they do to make him live again. The Fallen gets Megatron, and he's like, 
check this out. Go kill Optimus Prime for me, even though he killed you in the last movie. And they do it. They kill Optimus Prime. And then Megatron just becomes the Fallen slave, even though he like just killed like the guy who can kill the Fallen. And Megatron's supposed to be all egotistical and power-hungry, and he should fucking try to take the Fallen out. But he doesn't. He just falls in line, because Megatron is secretly the worst character in all the Transformers movies. So their plan... <laughs> is to use... Uh, the... AllSpark which is in Shia LaBeouf's brain so they can blow up the sun. To Why is Shia LaBeouf special? Because uh, of some shit that happened in the first movie. Uh, no, maybe it happens in the beginning of this movie. Oh, shit. I don't remember. What do they talk about how he's the next uh, Indiana Jones? That's just always implied. and never explicitly <laughs> stated. Anyway, they need to get Shia LaBeouf's brain so that they can blow up the sun which will give them energon cubes like that's the whole plan that's that's the disaster in this movie that's why it's on this list uh, it's a disaster the likes of which we've never seen except I guess in the movie Sunshine where they have to restart the sun um, it's a bummer they, they, they wreck Egypt <laughs> Just like the pyramids and yeah, stuff? Yeah, they fight around the pyramids and stuff. It's so bad. God, I hate these movies. I can't believe I'm going to have to go see another one. Why? Uh, Do you love Transformers that much? <laughs> I don't... I see it so that I can tell other people about how much I hate it. That's all there is to this it. This is so stupid. I'm not going to go see it in theaters. going to wait. <laughs> My dad will probably red box it on his own. Let's come over and watch Sounds good to me. I, I enjoy reading your reviews of yeah. Transformers movies, you know, like six months later or whatever. <laughs> gotta recap it. Yeah. All right, we're almost done here, but we gotta talk about World War Z for a little bit, uh, because I, Paul's favorite because I know Paul and he's a big fan. I re- I remember this coming out, and this was a movie that kind of infamously. The production stalled. They they basically rewrote the whole movie after they'd filmed a huge chunk of it. Said there were some problems, and then it came out and it did pretty well. And the reviews were okay, so I was like, "All right, you know, this must not be so bad." And then I watched it, and it was horrible. It was so boring. It made no sense. Um, I'll try to describe it the best to my that I can remember, but that's never as quickly as well. As quickly as well. Brad Pitt's basically this happy family man. He's got like the best life ever, and his family loves him. <laughs> uh, but then Goop's zombies attack for some reason. Uh, there's no real development of the pandemic narrative or any character in the movie. Um, I don't really understand why Brad Pitt is like the go-to guy for the U.S. military. Um, it's not really ever that clear what his position is or what he does or why the military needs he's him. He's not a zombie expert. He's basically... No, he's just like America's greatest soldier. <laughs> and, okay. And he is. <laughs> um, <laughs> and zombies are just kind of coming out like in these big tidal waves <laughs> for another reason that's never explained just because I guess they need a new spin on it. And they're the super fast zombies that are like superhuman and they're just killing everybody. 
And what's weird about this movie is it's there's really only Brad Pitt, and then has his wife who does nothing. She's on a like a ship for the whole movie, and every other character Brad Pitt meets dies. Like there's no other characters, and the one character you're following has no personality. I don't know what his name was. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what his position in the military is. It's just him. He's America's Greatest Soldier, and he's just going from, like, sequence to sequence where a bunch of people die, and then he's like, oh, shit, that's not a good place to be. There's nothing we could do here. Let's leave and go somewhere else. And they basically just globetrot around the whole world until they find, like, this research center. Um, I don't know where the fuck it was. Somewhere cold. And he goes there, and it's they're, like, trying to solve the the virus, do all this research, and Brad Pitt goes in there. and But there's also a bunch of zombies in there for some reason. And then I remember there's this scene where, like, he goes into this room where they're working on some, they're, like, setting the virus, and there's a bunch of zombies, and it's like, there's no way out. So, like, Brad Pitt, like, injects himself with some sort of virus that I guess presumably should kill him, or it's just, like, it's a really bad thing to inject yourself with. But he discovers, even though he's not a scientist, that by injecting himself with some sort of deadly virus, the zombies don't want to go after him because they don't like things that are sick. And then you're like, oh my god, well that's kind of interesting because Brad Pitt, he's going to be like this martyr. He's going to be like this person who, uh, d- you know, sacrifices his own life, you know, to this disease to f- to help solve the uh, the outbreak of zombie stuff. But then like immediately like, oh well, here's this other thing that will cure that. <laughs> so you're fine. So they basically then they just find out that, oh, just like small doses of like this deadly virus, everything's going to be okay. So Brad Pitt just pretty much stumbles across. He knows nothing about the science. It's just a total fluke. It's just a horrible, boring movie. Really uninspired. The effects look really bad. The zombie tidal waves aren't cool. They're really stupid. It's really cheesy. I remember the trailers. They look pretty stupid. And it's a, not only that. It's a, I mean, a really bad adaptation of the book. I mean, the book isn't really a narrative. It's like a, a series of these events all around the world. Kind of, kind of like a, like a like a journal or a diary of all these occurrences. Does the book follow one character at all? Or it's, no, they're totally no. disconnected stories? There's nothing similar about it. It's just a cool name for a movie. World I don't understand why he's, why he's a scarf. Like, why does he have to accessorize during the apocalypse? He's just looking handsome. So, I think the only reason people like this movie is because zombies have been hot for a while and Brad Pitt's been hot for a while. <laughs> So why is it Paul's favorite movie of all time? I don't know. I, I think Paul admires the ending because it didn't end with, like, a big just explosion or battle. It was pretty, like, you know, just quiet, kind of smaller. But I thought it was fucking stupid because there's this <laughs> virus, and, it, and, and, and it's like, oh, don't inject yourself. That you'll die. You know, it's basically, he's basically injecting himself with something that's, like, the equivalent of AIDS or something. Super AIDS. Super AIDS. And he just cures him. They just cure him like ten minutes later. So like, so I, I so is Brad Pitt's wife just okay because she's out on a boat? Yeah, she never faces any danger. Basically, so why doesn't only everyone conflict, just get She's on a worried boat. about him. Well, Brad Pitt has to. He's the world's greatest soldier. He has to take care of the shit, which he does. <laughs> okay, one man stops the apocalypse. Because zombies can't swim, right? I don't know. Well, they wouldn't have to swim. They would just need to film to make a big enough uh, pile, right, so that the later zombies <laughs> could walk over them. Floor. 
There's definitely some scenes where they like get on planes, like he's on a plane and there's a bunch on it, and then it crashes, and he lives. Wait, wait, wait. Are you? Wait, he's wait, literally. Wait, 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 wait. Did you say that the zombies build a pile high enough that they can bring down airplanes? No, <laughs> no, no. There's just a scene where they get on a, somehow. Some of them get on a plane. What's so fucking crazy is then this plane crashes, and Brad Pitt is literally the only survivor. <laughs> Because he had his tray table like, up wow. and seat in the full upright position. <laughs> it's like how convenient for the main character, the only one who survives a plane crash that kills everyone else. Is he immortal? <laughs> I don't think he gets hurt or anything. <laughs> okay, so he just plays a superhuman in this movie. He's basically a superhero. Uh-huh. It's really, really bad. And I hope they don't make another one so it's like World War Z and the Z looks like a 2 or something. <laughs> It's called World War Two. So it just looks like World War Two, <laughs> but it's number two instead of II the way you usually yeah. see. Yeah, <laughs> like a weird two Z hybrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 not good. Okay. And I feel people got to speak out about that. I'm tired of people just giving it a pass for no reason. Should I have some? My two cents. All right, how many do we got on our I, list? I, I gave uh, Independence Day and Sharknado the bump because we didn't seem very negative about it, and that gives us 10. Okay, well, Final Destination is definitely one of these that pisses me off the least. Yeah. And then maybe Resident Evil just because I don't know how well it qualifies in the list, and I'm not... I mean, they're definitely bad enough. If, have, you know, if we've seen... Had we seen more... Okay, so we have our like weird franchise ones down at the bottom. Yes. <laughs> um, you can put World War Z pretty low too because I'm the one that's seen it, and some people like it, but they're also like really stupid. Okay, well you could use all those same things to describe Transformers: <laughs> Revenge of the Fallen. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, or you can move it up, or you could put knowing, just because it's another one that I've only. I've seen, but it's 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 bad. Enough. I could definitely believe that Transformers is a lot worse than knowing. I mean, Transformers is a franchise, and they're long too. They're relentless. <laughs> but I guess yeah, it's uh, I'm the only one who's seen it, so I'll put that at six. So our top five can be things we all agree on. Is is Transformers though like really like I mean like how's that compared to like Godzilla like I feel like Godzilla's got to be better than Transformers Godzilla is way better than Transformers <laughs> I'm fine with you putting Transformers high shot I believe it's bad I would never nah, dare it's another one it. where it's like the, the plot is so over the top it's not really a disaster it's more just an excuse okay. for fighting okay because okay. they just destroy the pyramids no one's using those anymore yeah I could have gone with Transformers 3 where they wreck uh I think Chicago or generic city somewhere but that's not you know that's another one where they're, they're just going to use the beam from outer space to take over the planet so if I did that I'd have to like basically do all superhero movies that's basically always the plan out of the ones that are left I probably hate the core the least to be honest you can uh, historically shit on that movie so much Go for it. I'll <laughs> be a number five. Yeah, okay. Okay, number four. I still feel like Godzilla's kind of funny. It is. You just like don't care about what happens to any of the characters because 
They're just really lame. You know, I'm surprised. Is Armageddon really this bad? Like, I mean, I haven't seen it in years. As, as I said, I was kind of okay with it for like an hour and a half. And then it just kind of turned to shit. And I don't know about you guys, but there's definitely one that definitely seems like a... Yeah, Day After Tomorrow is... surefire winner. It's just not fun, but... It, <laughs> like at least at least I had that guy getting smashed by... <laughs> by a giant floating wall or whatever that was. <laughs> that was pretty good. But, I mean, the happening, it, it doesn't even give you any, like... It doesn't even give you the cheesy effects. Yeah, you don't get anything, really. I mean, you nailed it when you said it's literally the worst disaster you could possibly come up with for a movie. <laughs> it's just nothing. It's air. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, our bottom ten disaster movies. Number ten, the Final Destination series. Uh, number nine, the Resident Evil series. Biohazard in Japan. Number eight, World War Z. Number seven, Knowing. Number six, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. Number five, The Core. Number four, Godzilla, 1998. Number three, Armageddon. Number two, The Day After Tomorrow. And number one, The Happening. And please, please, please don't go to mildlyplease.com and talk about all these other terrible disaster movies because I have been pushed to the limit. I can't take any more of this. I need... To escape. Uh, if anything, I guess this was a worthwhile exercise because now I appreciate Godzilla 2014 even more. Um, if you want to listen to more of our rambling descriptions of bad movies, I would recommend subscribing to us on iTunes. That's that's where we live. Uh, and then you just wait, and another episode will come. And uh, until that uncertain date in the future, we've been top of the third day. We'll see you. Get up, get up.